Hi everyone. Recently a friend of mine said to me that exercise not only changes your body but also your mind, mood and attitude. And I said to her that exercise not only changes your venous return, your stroke volume and heart rate but also your respiratory rate, your minute volume and your blood pressure. So if you had not already read the description of the episode, now you definitely know that today's topic for this episode is exercise physiology. Let us begin with basal metabolic rate. BMR is the amount of energy liberated by breakdown of food per unit time under standardized conditions. It is determined by measuring the heat produced by the subject or oxygen consumed by him. Normal BMR in adults is 197 kJ per meter square per hour or 40 calories per meter square per hour. BMR is raised by catecholamines, stress in pregnancy, recent meal, raised temperature, hyperthyroidism and in children and males. Metabolic equivalence that is METS, I think everyone is familiar with this term. It is defined as the measure of metabolic demands of an activity in multiples of basal energy expenditure. What they mean to say is, suppose in a resting awake and fasted individual, we were to measure his basal energy expenditure, we would call it as one met. And all, uh, all his other activities, we would uh, calculate as multiples of that basal energy expenditure or multiples of that one met. So suppose he was walking, his energy expenditure will be 3.5 times his basal energy expenditure that is 3.5 times met. If he was jogging, that would be 10 to 12 mets. And if he were running a marathon, it would be 18 to 20 mets. During exercise, a body can expend up to 20 times the energy it does at rest. Therefore, met during exercise can be up to 20 times his basal energy expenditure, that is 20 met. Now, the immediate supply of energy during exercise comes from hydrolysis of ATP to ADP and inorganic phosphate. We need that for the cross-bridging of actin and myosin during the contraction of muscle. In skeletal muscle, we get this from the ATP stores, but these stores can support only two seconds of vigorous exercise. Once that is exhausted, creatine phosphate comes into play. It rephosphorylates ADP to ATP and its concentration is roughly four times that of ATP. Thus, it uh, is useful only for the immediate supply of energy. Together, the ATP stores and creatine phosphate, they just buy us time for other more long-term methods of energy production like glycolysis and glycogen breakdown. In exercise, the rate of glycolysis initially exceeds the oxygen supply, so uh, anaerobic metabolism ensues. This happens until the cardiovascular system responds to make necessary adjustments to increase the oxygen supply along with the respiratory system. Now the energy produced per glucose molecule during aerobic respiration is 
36 ATPs per glucose. Whereas during anaerobic metabolism, uh, glycolysis of one glucose molecule will yield just 2 ATPs. During anaerobic process, this glucose is converted to pyruvate which yields 2 ATPs. The pyruvate is unable to enter into the Krebs cycle because of unavailability of oxygen. As a result, it is converted to lactate which then enters the circulation. Then it enters into the liver where pyruvate is regenerated from lactate. During aerobic breakdown of glycogen, 37 ATPs are produced. However, during the same breakdown of glycogen by anaerobic means, only 3 ATPs are generated. Let us look at certain terms like oxygen debt, pasture point, anaerobic threshold and VO2 max. Oxygen debt is the period of increased oxygen consumption post-exercise and it is used to repay the oxygen deficit which is incurred at the start of exercise when period of anaerobic energy production resulted in lactate accumulation. What is a pasture point? So it is the critical threshold for oxygen tension beyond which aerobic metabolism cannot continue. Usually, the lowest partial pressure of oxygen at which aerobic metabolism can continue in the mitochondria is 1 mm of mercury. It is beyond this point that anaerobic metabolism will start and this is called as the pasture point. What is VO2 max? It's a maximal oxygen uptake achievable for an individual. It is limited by cardiovascular rather than respiratory or metabolic factors and it increases for an individual as they become fitter. How is it measured? So this is measured by exercising an individual to a maximum level over 15 minutes. Different levels of exercise can be expressed as percentages of VO2 max. For example, low intensity exercise is around 20% of VO2 max and is associated with greater fat oxidation than carbohydrate oxidation. For higher intensities of exercise, energy is obtained from carbohydrate oxidation. At around 50-70% to 70 of VO2 max, anaerobic threshold is reached. Anaerobic threshold is the point at which oxygen delivery can no longer match demand and lactic acid accumulates. Here, the metabolism shifts from aerobic to anaerobic. Let us now discuss the blood flow to skeletal muscles and the different physiological changes that take place in the body during exercise. The normal resting blood flow to the skeletal muscles is around 1200 ml per minute which is 20.5% of cardiac output. During exercise, the blood flow can increase up to 20 fold. Uh, during light exercise, the blood flow increases up to 4500 ml per minute that is 47% of cardiac output while during heavy exercise, the blood flow increases up to 22,000 ml per minute that is 88% of cardiac output. Now how do these changes come about? At rest, certain precapillary sphincters are closed and larger vessels maintain circulation in the skeletal muscle. During exercise, the partial pressure of oxygen decreases, carbon dioxide increases, 
there is an increase in temperature, hydrogen ion, potassium ion, concentration and ADP. All of these cause a precapil the precapillary sphincters to relax and thus the blood flow is increased by up to 20 fold. Changes are also seen in the regional blood flow during exercise. The coronary blood flow increases to meet the increased oxygen demand associated with increased cardiac work. From the resting coronary blood flow of 250 ml per minute during heavy exercise, it increases to 1000 ml per minute. The renal blood flow decreases from around 1100 ml to 250 ml per minute during heavy exercise, whereas the gastrointestinal tract blood flow decreases from 1400 ml per minute to 300 ml per minute. Blood flow to the skin increases to aid heat loss. Overall, the blood flow to skeletal muscle, coronary vessels and skin increases at the expense of blood flow to kidneys and GI tract. Cerebral blood flow does not alter at any level of exercise. The cardiovascular system also undergoes changes during exercise. Venous return is increased. It happens because of the following reasons. Firstly, there is a compression of veins in contracting muscles. Secondly, during inspiration, two things happen. Abdominal contraction that pushes blood out of abdominal veins. And second, intrathoracic pressure drops. As a result, there is an increase in venous return. This effect is further enhanced by deeper breathing and increased respiratory rate. Third, sympathetic stimulation occurs that causes vasoconstriction. Peripheral vascular resistance also falls due to action of local metabolites like adenosine and potassium which are produced in the muscle. They cause an increase in cardiac output. Heart rate also increases due to increased vagal tone and activation of sympathetic nervous system. The heart rate increases to a maximum of 200 beats per minute. Stroke volume also rises with the severity of exercise However, up to a point, in extreme exercise, when heart rate exceeds to 200 beats per minute, tachycardia restricts diastolic filling time, limiting stroke volume. Blood pressure also increases, but the systolic blood pressure increases much more than the diastolic blood pressure. Therefore, the pulse pressure widens. Changes are also seen in the respiratory system in response to exercise. At the beginning of exercise, Proprioceptors from the moving limbs and motor cortex send impulses to the respiratory center, which increases the tidal volume and respiratory rate. Rise in tidal volume and respiratory rate is proportional to the rise in demand for oxygen and for carbon dioxide elimination. At extremely intense exercise, maximal oxygen consumption is reached, that is VO2 max. At this point, any further increase in intensity of exercise will exceed the anaerobic threshold. This metabolism will shift from aerobic to anaerobic and lactic acid will accumulate. The accumulation of lactic acid will stimulate the carotid bodies to further increase the minute ventilation. There is one last topic in exercise physiology that you should all remember that is respiratory exchange ratio or respiratory quotient. Respiratory quotient is the ratio of CO2 produced to oxygen consumed. It reflects the relative contribution of fat, carbohydrate and protein for cellular metabolism. Normally, this ratio ranges between 0.7 to 1 
in a resting subject or while he is exercising mildly when carbohydrates are metabolized one co2 molecule is formed for each molecule of oxygen consumed thus the respiratory quotient will be one when fat is oxidized 70 co2 molecules are formed for 100 oxygen molecules thus the respiratory quotient will be 0.7 for proteins it is 0.8 therefore the normal respiratory quotient as we said is between 0.7 to 1 however when anaerobic threshold is passed additional non metabolic carbon dioxide is produced with an accompanying rise in respiratory exchange ratio that is respiratory quotient ultimately exceeding 1 This brings us to the end for today's episode. Hope you liked this episode and if you did please subscribe and share. Thank you so much for listening.